Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi, Guthrie. No fancy guests or anything today. Uh, it's just it's us. Straight talk. Straight talk. Hey, it's, you know it's uh, Friday need, the thirteenth. We need more catchphrases. Yeah. What? It's Friday the thirteenth. Oh, is it? You didn't realize that? No, I think I think I saw something that it was going to be Friday the thirteenth, or that that was a thing. I didn't. You like do know it was, Friday the thirteenth. It was Friday, means, right? and I knew it was the thirteenth, but like it didn't come together. Well, this might not be universal. Is this universal? We should maybe mention what that means. I'll do some research. People listening to uh, in from other places that say, "What the heck? Who cares?" Are you a spiritual person? Spiritual in what sense? Like you believe in ghosts? That's not really how I would define spiritual. But um, why are you asking spirits. this question? Oh, spirits. You know, spiritual is different than spirits. You understand that, Is it, that, though? Right? It is. It is. Because there are lots of spiritual people, meaning that they believe in God and all of that, who would say that either there are no such thing as ghosts or, you know, you don't even want to think about ghosts or, yeah. So what I would you call someone who believes in the supernatural? Someone who believes the in this. I would call them someone who believes in the supernatural and the occult. That's dumb. <laughs> anyway, that is not, you're, we're going off on tangents because that's not our topic today. Although it's kind of related to our topic. It's not today. related at all, but I'm, car- I'm, I'm carrying it through to the bitter end. But okay. do, do you believe in ghosts? Do we really want to have this conversation right now? You can just say yes or no. Uh, sometimes I think yes, and sometimes I think no. So you're not... So Friday the thirteenth is very similar. It's a superstitious thing. Oh, Friday the thirteenth does not with like phase. like fate and luck. No, and... Friday the thirteenth does not phase me at all. No, okay. I'm not. I have no special. There's no special or scary significance to it being Friday the thirteenth, in my opinion. How about you? Um, seeing as I didn't even know what day. Remember a couple days ago, like the world was supposed to end. Yeah, I think that was... Um, and people were like, I bet you most people kind of woke up and be like, well, I guess it didn't happen. I didn't even... It was like the next day, and I was like, oh, I guess that thing happened that I don't care about. So, not not no, exactly. you're not. You're, we're both people of science. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. You have, you have a... You have a... This is... this. I have a game for you. Oh, okay. What? We will get to the topic at hand eventually, won't we? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, you're a scientist. I I like to think of myself as a scientist. Yes. You've, you, so you've come across your fair share of Roman and Greek uh, uh, technical terms. Maybe. Why? Skeuomorphism. Oh, whatever. Okay. Yes. There's a scientific name for, for the fear. Of the number 13. Ooh. You know, I knew there was a scientific Yes. And but I, I don't know what the name. You want to see if I can get it? No. 13, um, thir- 13-ophobia. 13 Really? 13-ophobia. <laughs> it's got to be at least a, It's Latin. No, what no? is it? Okay. What is it? Triskaophobia. Oh, I knew oh, I had the last Which part, I think right? is just Latin for 13. I could be wrong. Maybe it's See, Greek. See, it's 13 of phobia in another language. <laughs> what? That's so <laughs> uh, Okay. The superstition. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. I'm really glad we did this. This is so much more fascinating than whatever we were going to talk about. It is not. Okay. Uh, the superstition yeah. around the Friday the 13th arises basically in the Middle Ages. So it's a Western okay. European thing. So Western Europeans. So well, because Asia has China. different... So so, I, so yeah. in China, right, the number four is... Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm skewering this whole thing, but it, it's very close to the word for death. So yeah, it's considered so 13 an is number. not a problem in some cultures. Okay, um, yes. Middle Ages. Where six is lucky. Yeah, but... So uh, we're in, whereas in um, Europe it's more thirteen and seven. Yeah. Kind of, we, for some reason, we're scared of odd prime numbers. Um, so originating from the story of Jesus's Last Supper, Supper and Crucifixion, in which there were thirteen individuals present in the upper uh-huh. room, 
on really? the 13th of Nissan Maudi Thursday, the really? night before his death on Good Friday. Oh, I didn't know that's where it came from. That's, yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, yes, it's an unlucky number because he died on the Friday the 13th of November. Hmm. Something like that. All right, now can we get to the topic at hand? Yes. And the topic at hand... Nope. In Italy, it's Friday the 17th. That's the bad day? Yes. They think it's the 17th. It's it's another odd prime, by the way. 13, 17 would be the next odd prime. Yes. 11, 13, 17, 27... 27 is not a prime, is it? No, it's not a prime. All right. Thank you very much, Guthrie. Okay. We're going to talk today about mental models and conceptual models. Yeah. You You excited? Yeah. No, you're not. But I have a story for you. I have a story for you. No, I am excited. I actually think mental models are very cool and important, for the record. So I was talking to someone the other day who teaches college students, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, she was telling me, uh, a lot of times she teaches, like, you know, juniors and seniors in college. But this in this particular class she was telling me about, she had mainly freshmen, right? 18, 19-year-olds. Um, and this, is a, this was a recent event. And she was... Uh, asking them about, she teaches in the computer science department, and she was asking them uh, how often they, I'm not sure how she phrased this, but it was something about, you know, how often do they uh, go on the internet uh, on their phones. Now, the person asking this question, the professor asking this question is, uh, a baby boomer. So she's older. And she asked them, you know, how often do you use your phones to go on the internet, right? Or how often are your phones connected to the internet or some wording like that. And everyone in the room said that that they never they never connect their phones to the internet. Like that never happens. And she was very surprised by that. She said, Oh really? So you're just using your phone to like make a phone call and text and they said well no of course not they're doing all these other things and she said well that means you're connecting to the internet and they they were just totally confused and these were not computer science majors but it dawned on her that their mental model of you know a phone and what you use it for and where all those things are was not the same as hers. So she had this idea that there's things you do on the phone that, you know, have to do with a cell phone carrier. And then there's things you do on your phone that have to do with hooking up to the internet. And in her mind, You know, that was like two separate but related things. And in their minds, none of that even existed. It's just a phone, and you just do things. And that really, the concept of the Internet, we we had this conversation after she told me the story about that maybe for some people, maybe a lot of people, they don't really have a mental model or construct or concept of the internet versus not the internet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, so, the internet's in a browser. But, you know, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, have you heard of RT, RCS? No, I don't think so. What is it? RCS. I don't even know. But there's there are two... There are two ways I want to destroy attack this this uh, mental model because it makes it it makes a lot of sense so it's um, when 
when the person asked that, it's because the professor asked that. Um, it's because when phones send a text message, or when phones send, you know, have a phone call, it's operating. It's not going over the internet. Right. Um, so carriers are starting to roll out for voice, and so so there is a new standard of communication called RCS. Okay. And I don't know exactly what it is. It will eventually replace SMS. Okay. And all RCS is, is it's all the carriers have to buy in. And, I, and I'm sure technically I'm a little wrong, but it's, it's essentially just um, used, it's just internet communication between phones. So mm-hmm. you know how you can go on uh, Apple Messenger or mm-hmm. whatever your favorite computer, you know, Facebook Messenger or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And you type things, you got emoticons and smiley faces, and you can see when someone else is typing. It's yeah. because there's a because you're using the internet to transmit information back between right. the two people. RCS is simply that, but for text messaging. So okay. instead of sending a simple SMS, which is this ancient you know tech, you're basic the phone the phone carriers are like we're, they're just creating little um, the, you know internet connections between you and another person. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's a little more complex than that, but that's essentially what it is. And they're doing the same with voice. So right now, if you're on AT&T, when you make a phone call, you know how it sounds different than if you're on yeah. a Skype call? Yeah. You know how it sounds crappy? <laughs> yeah. That's because it's operating on AT&T's old Edge network. That oh. ex- so Because so, Edge is 2G, and then there's 3G, yeah. and there was LTE, which is the fourth gen. Yeah. So they're just AT&T just uses their old edge network to just push phone calls around and yeah. they in, and they encode the heck out of the calls speak so so that they're tinsy tiny. And so what I think Verizon's already started doing this, I'm sure AT&T will follow. Uh, basically they're now just using LTE for everything. So they take your call that goes to another phone, they turn it into a digital internet based IP, you know, like a Skype call. And then they transmit it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so then the quality is really good. So they're calling right. it like you know voice advanced, or I don't even I don't even know what. Right. But really, it's just putting the the voice message over the internet. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense, right? So why why should you know now now the reason that carriers have this ancient kind of legacy tech when it comes to phone calls and and text messages is because. They have to have systems that work when the internet is down. Yeah. So if you think about emergency responders, yeah, um, police stuff like like there are yeah. there are things that they have to do that is not the internet, and so they have yeah. already an infrastructure that is not internet based. But as more, but it, but it just but it makes a lot of sense for them to, of course, when you text someone, why shouldn't it just, you know, like why what does your phone number even mean anymore? Right, it's it's just a gateway to get you information from the internet. Well, so, and I, yeah, yes. so, so their mental the, model of this is the internet and this is yeah, not the internet yeah. is already starting to change. That is was already starting to change, and I I, I think that's interesting. And you know, we can talk about the uh, in in design. We talk about mental models versus conceptual models, and. So I just wanted to take some time today to talk about this idea of a mental model because the mental models are really important. And if you if you want, well, they are and they aren't, I guess. I mean, there is a, a whole mental model about, you know, what all the stuff you just talked about that in a way might not be important if all, you know, you just pick up the phone and you push on a you know, you touch a, an an icon on the screen, and then you do something. You know, based on what that app is. And so, the in that case, you know, you have a mental model of a phone and apps and pictures on your screen, and that's the only mental model you need. And then um, the conceptual model. Is, so I guess I got to back up. 
the difference between a conceptual model and a mental model. Guthrie, do you know what the difference is? A mental model is with mentals. <laughs> uh-huh. No, really, do you know? conceptual model is with concepts. No, that's not the difference. Uh, I know no? what a mental model is. So tell me what a mental model is. Uh, I have an idea of how something should work. Yeah. Exactly. That's what a mental model is. Well, by the way, you should know that uh, these definitions that we're talking about, about what a mental model is and what a conceptual model is, uh, these are not universally recognized. I'm looking over at my bookshelf now. Uh, you'd think I'd be able to find my book on my bookshelf, wouldn't you? Hold on. Maybe. I don't know. How am I supposed to know where... I found it. I, mean, I, just, I just reorganized my office this week. It's mm. a, it wasn't where I thought it was going to be. Okay, I'm rifling through my book. You want to hear the rifling? Can you hear that? I can. It sounds very pleasant. <laughs> An actual book. Uh, because I just wanted to look up a little bit about the history of mental models. Now, mental models are, there's, a, there's some people who have been, been talking about mental models for a couple of years in a different way than I do and then in a different way than I think the rest of the world does. And that's okay. But I like to use the... Um, the definition and idea of it that's been around for a longer time. So um, I, I had to refer to my book for some information. So the first person, this is from, how should I do the uh, promo? I am now reading from 100 Things Every Designer Needs to Know About People, uh, one of my books on page 72, and it's thing number 31. The first person to talk about mental models was Kenneth Craik, C-R-A-I-K, in his 1943 book. Can you imagine? That's a long time ago. The Nature of Explanation. Uh, shortly after writing about mental models, Craik died in a bicycle accident. And the whole idea of mental models went do dormant for many years. And it reappeared in the 1980s when two books were published with the title Mental Models, one by Philip Johnson Laird and the other by Deidre Gentner. Um, the best history I have found about mental models as they relate to software and usability is a 1999 article by Mary Jo Davidson, Laura Dove, and Julie Welts called Mental models and usability, and I put I have a link for that in the uh, in the in the book. So, a mental model is um, here's a definition I like, um, which I th oh there's a story about this 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 quote. I'll tell you too. A mental model represents a person's thought process for how something works, i.e. a person's understanding of the surrounding world. Mental models are based on incomplete facts, past experiences, and even intuitive perceptions. They help shape actions and behavior, influence what people pay attention to in complicated situations, and define how people approach and solve problems. So that's kind of the definition I've always liked. Now, that quote right there, I don't know where it comes from. That's my problem. And this, is, this has been a real problem for me. I have it in the book, and in the book I say that uh, this is one of my favorite quotes from Susan Carey, C-A-R-E-Y, 1986 journal article called Cognitive Science and Science Education. However, the problem is, when I went back and looked at that journal article after writing my book, that quote is not in that paper. Okay. So I don't know where I got it. And then I contacted Susan Carey. And I said, uh, Dr. Carey, uh, 
I got this quote. I thought it was from your paper. I can't find it in the paper. Did I just, you know, misquote the journal article? Like, is it in another journal article? And she wrote back and said, that sounds like something I would say, but I have no idea. <laughs> so I can, and I have searched everywhere. And can the I only try? place, you can try, but I, you know what you're going to find? What? You're going to find everyone else referencing me. Can you, here, okay. Can you but they won't it? reference me. You'll can find you it, it. There's a book. There's a, you're going to find a pamphlet on conservation in okay, which this great. appears. Okay, you ready? Yeah. You want me to say this whole thing? Yes. On the air, while we're recording. Yes. A mental model. Now we'll get to hear him type. Yep, clockety way. Represents. How come we can't hear you typing? Uh, I, well. A you, per. A person's, with an apostrophe, a person's thought process. That's it. That's fine. For how something works. Hold on. That's good. That's good. Is that enough? Well, you can give me one more. A thought process. Do you have Do you have any more? Yeah. For how something works. Try that. A little experiment <laughs> in internet <laughs> searching. Anyways, okay, so do continue. This will, I'll continue I'll, yeah, all right, I'll, while I'll you're, keep, uh, you're looking at you're, So you're not paying attention because you're task switching. What? No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so the idea is that Wait, we all... Wait, uh, when, when, when did you write your book? When did I write my book? Yeah. Um, you'd think I'd know this from memory, but I've written a lot of books. Just give me a ballpark. I'm going to look it up. I have the book right in front of me. It has a... It has a page where it says when it was written. 19, oh, I'm sorry, 2011. Oh, that's pretty good. <clears throat> All right, I'll keep talking. So the idea of a mental model is that we have this, this um, construct in our heads about how something works. And no matter what, you know, we might have a mental model of, how, of the Internet or of our cell phones or of... Um, uh, we might have a mental model of... I found it, by the way. You did not. Yeah, sure. What did you find? Well, wait, what's the whole quote? A mental model represents a person's thought process for how something works. I.E. Yeah, 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 I found it. Where is it from? Uh, it is the Center for Research on Environmental Decisions. What no, is... No, they took that from me. But this happened in 2009. I know, but I wrote about it before 2011. I, I, it's, oh. I had it on my blog post at like 2008. Yeah, no, they, they, oh, okay. they lifted that actually without attribution, I want to mention. Uh, you got to keep looking. Every, feel... every, re every reference I have found is lifted from me. I have not found anything not lifted from me. All right, I'm going to keep talking. Um, plagiarism is rampant. Uh, so we have these mental models, and they affect how we interact with technology. So um, uh, let's see. I'll give you another example. Uh, Guthrie, have you, you've switched from, like, iPhone, iOS to Android, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, that was... Uh, I had an iPhone 3GS. I've been on Android for many years now. So when you'd made the switch, was like, did everything, did you have any moments of, oh, what? What? What is that? How do I do that? Or was it seamless experience? Uh, no, there were definitely hiccups here. Yeah, and, there, and sure. the reason is that you had a mental model of how you do this or how you do that or how you go back or how you open an app or how you anything. And, you know, the Android phones don't work exactly like the iOS iPhone does. And what you were having to do was adjust your mental model. So we talk about mental models as being what's in your head, but then we talk about conceptual models. All right, so stop your searching for a minute. Do, yes. you, know what a, do you know what a conceptual model is? No. 
So a conceptual model is the model, is the construct that the thing displays to you. So you, the mental model is in your head. But when you use, for instance, an Android phone, it has, it's presenting to you a whole world of how things work. And it's presenting that to you through the screen and the icons and the controls and all of that. And that's a conceptual model. So someone had okay. to design that. Makes sense. Yeah. And wh whatever, any software you use or any product you use, it has a conceptual model. Now, sometimes... You'd have like a menu button. So you'd know that you'd want to press that and, th and then that a menu would pop out. Would be well, a that's, conceptual part, model. that's part of the conceptual part model. Part of it. Yeah. I mean, the conceptual model is the, is the whole thing. You know, like, uh, let me see if I can think of a different example. Um, uh, I mean, it, uh, you know, it's, everything has a conceptual model. You get in an elevator and there's a bunch of buttons. And, you know, you have a mental model of how buttons work in an elevator, and the elevator probably, the, the model, conceptual model of how the buttons are arrayed and what they say, and where they are, it probably fits pretty well because they don't want to uh, deviate too much from that. Otherwise, you won't know how to get to your floor, right? So the conceptual model is the the visual and tactile um, presentation to you that hopefully allows you to easily figure out what you're supposed to do with this thing. Right. And sometimes, um, sometimes things have, uh, well, you know, a real good example is if anyone out there has ever switched from, like, let's say, you, like, we do a lot of video editing, you know, and we've switched over the years from ScreenFlow to Final Cut Pro to Adobe Premiere. And whenever you switch, you're like, ah, right? I mean, you know there's a way in this software somewhere to export the file, you know? Where you know there's a way to do color balancing, you know, you know it's got to be there, but the way you do it, and you know, does it have layers, and it, you know, is there a timeline? You know, that's that's all conceptual model stuff that they've created and they're presenting to you, and and if the conceptual model they're presenting to you doesn't match the mental model you have about how this thing should work then it's going to be very hard to use and hard to learn. That's what you, your impression is going to be. In fact, the, the term that people will say when there's a mismatch between a conceptual model of the product and the mental model they have in their head, the thing they'll say is uh, it's not intuitive. I always find that phrase so interesting. What the heck does that mean? But that's what people say. It's not intuitive. And what they're really saying when they say that is my mental model does not fit the conceptual model you are showing me. But people don't say it that way. They just say, it's not intuitive. Um, so the more of a you know, mismatch there is, the harder the product will be to learn and use. Now sometimes, sometimes, and a lot of the time these days, we design a conceptual, I mean, you purposely design a conceptual model. Sometimes it just appears. In the old days of software, there, nobody was doing conceptual model design. They weren't thinking that much about, oh, what is the user's expectation of how this will work? And, oh, how should we display it and design it? You know, they were just whatever was in the underlying technology and database would, like, float up to the top. I called it bubbling up conceptual model. So it just wasn't well designed, and you could tell. You know, there was no, there was no thought put into what the conceptual model should be, how the... Uh, how things should be displayed and what the actions should be so that it's either A, easy for the user to connect it to the mental model they already have, or B, easy for the user to say, oh, I got to create a new mental model. Sometimes the product is so different and your conceptual model is so unique and new that you decide we're not going to match the old mental model. I mean, smartphones were that way, right? When they first came out. Mm -hmm. 
And there yeah. wasn't any sense trying to make it like. Do you remember yeah. the first time you used a touchscreen? Uh, yes, but you don't, uh, not on a phone. What do you mean, the first time I used a touchscreen? I used a touchscreen ages ago. But, you know, I was involved in all the experimental stuff. You mean yeah. the first time I used no. a touchscreen on a phone? Or no, any touchscreen. And it, like, changed your whole mental model of what a screen It was. did. It was really... That's what I'm was... saying, right? Like, like I remember the first time I used an iPhone, and, like, I was, like, like my whole mental model of how you interact with a device was forever changed. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember when I first used a graphical user interface. Yeah. How about, how about I remember when I, when I first used a mouse? Well... You know, you know what the best thing is. What? In the in the near future, there will be kids who will never have a memory of when they first used a mouse. Yeah. They won't use mice. They won't use mice. Uh, apparently, one of the things that's happening now with um, younger generations and mental models and use of technology is uh, people are reporting, you know, being in a restaurant or a coffee shop and there's music in the background. And toddlers will yell out, Alexa, play Let It Go. Horrible. <laughs> it's true, though, because they want to change the music. And at home, that's how you change the music. And it doesn't work in the restaurant. Um, but the, these bratty kids. No, they they're going to grow up wanting everything model. at their beck and call. You know, and then you snap your fingers and they, the world just changes. They swipe TVs. I, I, I know. Every, everyone knows that they swipe TVs. All right. So if you want to create a product that is easy to use and easy to learn, you have two choices. Choice one. Hire us. What? Hire us. <laughs> That's a good choice. I hadn't thought of that one. You could do that. No, no, no. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> you can either learn, take the time and energy to learn what their mental model is. Well, you got to do that anyway. Learn what their mental model is and then design your product to fit their mental model. Or decide that you're going to create a brand new uh, conceptual model for your product that you know will not fit their mental model. But then you have to figure out how to teach it to them quickly. Right. So that they get it really fast because it's brand new. And also so that they realize, oh, wait, I thought this was going to be like X, Y, Z, but it's, wow, it's really not. So then they'll just, you know, not try to keep applying the old mental model. One of the worst things you can do is have a product that's kind of like the old one they're used to using, but kind of not. And that that's like the worst thing because then they keep trying to apply the old mental model, but the old mental model isn't going to work. And then and, and that's when people can get really frustrated. You're actually better off making something so different that they know they can't use the old mental model. Or, you know, really, really matching up with, with their mental model. Mm. So you didn't find this quote, did you? No, it's because you made it up. I, or, or like you typed it wrong. Like there's something that's, that's, that's it's just. It's really confusing to me. Uh, I I may have to, I try I I'm not kidding I tried for a lot of hours and then I I gave up but I I'm gonna go I might go back to that on some on some dreary winter day when you and I have nothing to do you know maybe we'll try some more so if anyone out there wrote um, okay that let me let me let me try right into me let me try one more I mean I guess we could read thing. everything Susan Carey has written no give, give me give me the quote one more time the whole thing. I think I can find it. A mental model represents a person's thought process for how something works, i.e. a person's understanding of the surrounding world. You want me to give you another sentence? Mental models which are based on often incomplete facts. No, not which. Mental models are based on incomplete facts. No, I'll just take the first sentence then. Just because I have it Maybe you should take the second sentence. I just have it. I have it. 
All right. So um, I, uh, when you're done with that, I, I have a question for you. So hurry up because our listeners are waiting. So I, uh, well, I'll talk while you're doing that just to, um, just to fill the on-air time. You don't have to. I'm here. Oh, well, I have a question for you. Yeah, cool. cool. Ask could away. You, could you describe, do you, can you think of a product you have used in which it had a poor conceptual model and did not fit with your mental model of how, how it should work? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, can you think of one? By the way. I just, yeah. um, I used Qtext to check for plagiarism. Yes. And it didn't find any. So anyone who's using Qtext, clearly it does not work. Qtext, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, are you listening? Oh my God. This is just, that was horrible. <laughs> um, I was trying to try for like plag- plagiarism checks and then like, yeah. and then it would tell you, be like, oh, this was in this paper. Yeah. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. No. Okay. Sorry. I don't think it's going to work, but I tried. A little reverse engineering there. Yeah. All right. So do you have a particular product in mind that you can think of? That's the problem. Not off the top of my head. You're not? Okay. Um, I'm sure. I Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of do. Yes, sure. What? So I use an Android phone for everything, right? Yeah. And I was using an iPhone. Yeah. And all I want, I was like in Google Maps or something. I don't even yeah. remember what program it is. So, and I don't want to slander the integrity of Google Maps. I was in some sort of Apple, you know, app. And... I was like in, you know, I looked up something and I wanted to go back to the search menu. Yeah. On Android, there's a back button. So when you want to go back a level, you just hit back. And here there's, but on I, but on iOS, there's no back button. Yeah. And I was looking for like, how do I get back to the search? Like I, I just like, I literally didn't know where to go. And it turned out you had to, like, swipe from the side to, like, show, like, a menu, and then you could, like, go back out. Yeah, so their conceptual model was not fitting your mental model. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of the usability problems that's come from that, either that mismatch or just a really, really poorly designed conceptual model. So the way that you design, by the way, a great conceptual model is um, you have to start by, this is gonna sound radical, you have to start by understanding your target audience. But you do, I mean, and one of the, you know, I think sometimes people think, cause you know, you'll hear user-centered design, you need to find out about who your users are, your target audience, you have to know about them. And I think sometimes people go through uh, well, sometimes people don't do it at all, but sometimes they go through the motions of that, you know. Okay, we're going to create personas, and we're going to create scenarios, and then we're going to do, you know, define some task analysis. And and because someone told them they had to do that, but they don't understand why they're doing it. And to me, the whole reason for uh, doing all that user research stuff is so that you understand the user's mental model and can then go to the next step of conceptual model design and put that in, you know, so then you use that information, okay, here's here's the user's mental model, and you use that to make decisions about um, navigation, information architecture, and something called objects, conceptual objects that um, are probably the toughest thing we have in our UX curriculum <laughs> for people to understand. Uh, and and flow the basic flow and that's all based on under on the user research you did which you did because you wanted to understand the user's mental model for how they think this should work. Then the other thing um, I wanted to mention about uh, mental models and conceptual models. So if you have that situation where you want to 
create, you're going to create something really different that doesn't match the rental model. Um, and remember I said you have to figure out a way to let them know. That, I think, is the role of, uh, can be the role of tutorials and training and little little explainer videos, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's what it does. When you watch a little video, you know, for the product, what, here's how, here's how, um, let's say you were telling me yesterday about um, an app for grocery shopping. Yes. Um, that you really like? Yes. Uh, no, some free pub, 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 oh my God. Free publicity. publicity. And these are not our clients or anything, so. Uh, the Bring exclamation mark app. Yes, yeah, it's such a strange name. Well, it's it's made made in Switzerland, so I don't know. Maybe oh. it's a translation thing. Okay, so if any of the Bring guys are listening, you can you can contact us and and we're we're giving a shout out to your app. So this is an app that does what? Go three. Um. So what you do is you create different shopping lists. So like, so like I have one for my own house, and then I have and then. And then uh, you can like you, the app. Sh- you share the app with your friends, and so or I. You could share it with your spouse or something. Spouse, yeah, partner, whoever right? you you want. And you have different lists, and then different people are in different lists. So if I'm, you know, so so in theory, um, if you're going to a party, uh, you know, someone who's hosting the party would create you know hey we need chips and salsa and you know beer and what you know guacamole and whatever you know whatever it is right and then invite a bunch of people and then they they each person would check off what they're going to bring so then you can see what's still remaining or in the case that i like to do it uh, like to use it you know so like if i'm going to cook i have my grocery list but if if we're like hey like let's make pizza tonight right like i can share it with whoever is going to come over and make pizza and then, you know, if they go to the store, I can get it. And uh, if, you know, in your case, right? So you, I mean, how many times have you bought have I milk come home and with then milk your, and your then spouse my husband is all awesome. home yeah. with milk? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so you, you, have, you have a common grocery list. And so whoever is going to the store can just look at the list and then check it off. Um, and then either person can add things to the list too. So like if you're at home, you're like, oh, I need some milk. Like you just put it on the common list, so everyone knows, like what what's on there. So it's just yeah. kind of smart. Yeah. Now, uh, was there when when you signed up for it was was there any little video or anything that explained it? I don't know. I never watched those. <laughs> <laughs> Killing my point. Thank my, you, Guthrie. Was I, was I supposed to? You're supposed to say, yeah, there was this little video and it was really useful and I watched it and then I understood how it was going to work. No, I don't really do that. I don't, I mean, but I'm the kind of guy who like doesn't read manuals either. Yeah. So, so, so that this is an interesting thing too, because I think there are individual differences in how much tolerance people have for a f- for a mental model not matching a conceptual model or for a fuzzy mental model or for not having a mental model, you know? And I think there are some people for whom that, you know, I'm, I'm about to use this thing or, you know, assemble this th- th- piece of furniture or, you know, use this software or use this app. And I have, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but that's okay. Like, that's kind of fun. It's like a little game. And there are other people who are like, okay, I don't, I don't, you know, you got to explain it to me first. I, I'm lost. I'm uncomfortable with being lost, right? Yeah. So there's a different, different uh, individual difference in differences in how much people are willing to put up with that, and also probably some of it, you know, context specific. So, you know, if your, uh, if your friend is um, uh, having a medical emergency and you have to figure out what to do or what hospital to take them at, this is not the time to have a mismatch between a mental model and a conceptual model for whatever app you're using to find the hospital, right? Right. So it's it's context, too. 
But I think there's also, uh, going back to how we started this conversation, I think there are generational differences, too. I know there are generational differences in mental models, right? We've talked about that before. Yeah, So it sounds like my professor friend uh, had noticed or observed um, a difference, you know, people not really getting that there are there's stuff you're doing that's quote on the internet and stuff you're doing that's not on the internet and that there's a distinction that they just you know had never really thought about or experienced and maybe that distinction is is becoming unimportant unless you're down in the weeds of the you know engineering of do we send the voice over the this or that right Right. I mean, maybe we're, are we at the point where it just doesn't, you know, people don't need to know? It doesn't matter? What do you think? Um, the regular person walking around does not need to know when they are on the internet well, versus when hey, they're not on the internet? Are there instructions to turn on the light switch or plug in? I know, that's exactly what a, I was thinking of. Plug in uh, something I mean, into the a electricity wall is just on, right? I don't. Do I usually stop and think about, now I'm going to do this task without electricity. This is a task that does not require electricity. This is a task that does require electricity, right? I mean, or I mean, we don't have to go turn the electricity on. Yeah, right. Right? We certainly notice when the electricity is off, but... Otherwise, we kind of don't notice it, right? It's just in the background, ubiquitous. So um, I guess I think so. I think I I I think uh, I think it's just because every single computer program uses the internet. the 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 number of programs that actually don't have any connection to the internet, even at like an authentication level, are very very small. There's still some. Like what? I mean, there, I know there's a lot of legacy stuff, but like yeah, I mean, I stuff I that's can, come out in the last two years. Oh, well, I was thinking about you know you can use a spreadsheet without going on the internet. You can't. Google you can. Google three six five requires activation over the internet. Or sorry, Google Office three six five, which is so when the Excel we use requires. Um, our computer to be connected to the internet to authenticate our version of Office. But I can use... Really? Yeah. Now, you might be able to might be activate able to it a... over the phone or something. Really? But, th- but that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah You're talking a... about installing or just using? I mean, if I'm on that... Wait, installing. Oh, wait. Installing. But I'm talking about using. If I'm on an airplane and I'm not hooked up to the internet, I can... That's true. Into a spreadsheet or type on my word processor, right? Yes, there are offline modes. Sure. Does anyone use the term word processor anymore? I just Almost. used it. No. <laughs> I don't think so. Because <laughs> you know that always, that never made any sense. Because what? let's 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 decode that phrase word processor. <laughs> what? What is the processing that's happening with the I words? I don't know. That's what they were what? called. Do you know what a word processor was? Yes. What? So you had you had your what? Now don't laugh at me. <laughs> I'm already laughing at you. Isn't it like um, like an electronic typewriter? Keep going. So you had typewriters. That, you had typewriters. Right, right, where you, you put in paper and you hit the hit the key and it made a little thing on the paper. And they weren't plugged in. Yeah. But then there were you electronic... You know what they were called? Typewriters. Manual typewriters eventually. But yes, they were initially called typewriters. So, and then came electronic typewriters. We have one of those, the, a manual one in our attic. Everyone has a manual typewriter somewhere. Oh, okay. You have a, you have a, you have a typewriter in your attic? A manual typewriter, yeah. You know, people collect those. Is it some I, sort of famous one? Yeah. Uh, what's the What's the famous type? I don't know. Is it worth like two hundred thousand dollars? You have like a limited edition 
Like uh, I don't know. I should I go check? Yeah. It's pretty old. Okay, I'll go uh, check I that think, out. When I think we're done Tom here. Hanks um, produced yes. a whole doc about yes. him and his weird he typewriter did. collection. Yeah, it's great. I loved it. All right. Uh, then you You've had a seen le- it. Yes. Oh my god. Of course, you do have a typewriter in your attic. So, okay. So uh, then, then after there were electric, electric typewriters. typewriters, which I personally never really understood. Um, but I suppose it makes the 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 actuation a little more solid. You mean why you needed a manual, yeah. uh, or, an electric? Yeah, like it allowed you to go faster, and uh, it would do an automatic carriage return. Okay, sure. Yeah, so that's real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, for for those of you who don't know what a carriage return is, on a typewriter, uh, each time you type. Uh, there was there's there's a carriage that pushed over one slot, so that's why it because w- otherwise the characters would just print over each other in the same place because the paper's not moving. You need where it hits on the page to move it by a consistent amount. But once you hit the end of the page, you, you need to something back to, to the you, beginning you ching, and then shook and to get to to get back to the other line. So, so there was this metal lever, and you would yeah. pull it down and push it over, and that was the carriage, and you were doing a carriage return. Yeah, so so an electric uh, t- typewriter, once you got to the end of the line, it knew it was at the end of the line using standard paper and would No, bring... it didn't know. You still had to press the button. You still had to press the button. Oh, but, but, but it, it would move it for you. Yeah, so I guess that's the difference. Um, anyone uh, who's ever listened who's driven a car yes. without um, power steering. Yeah. Oh, or like if the power steering has ever gone out, or or even in a much older car, um, like so 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 the way power steering works, I mean these days if you buy a new car when you turn the wheel, it's basically a video game. That wheel turn is turned into an electronic signal that the car then uses to change the hydraulic pressure. Well, I um, was going to use a, the example of uh, driving a stick shift versus an automatic. Anyway. Enough on metaphors. Yeah. Go ahead. We were talking about electric typewriters. Then there were. Um, word yeah. Processors. Then I. Then there were word processors. No screen, right? That is correct. There was no screen. No screen. So I. I am right, at least in some capacity. Well, no, there was a screen. No, no, no. You're wrong. There was a screen. I mean, otherwise. What would it be doing? There was I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Yeah, I, there was a screen, and you typed. It was like a computer. It was like using. A, how is it a, not a computer? That's what I guess. That's why was my that was my confusion. Like I it understand was electronic a computer, typewriter, but we didn't call it a computer. But it was just a computer. It was, but the only thing it did was. Um, all right, let me ask you a question. Look, when, when you, you go to the mall and they have the computer that's like, where would you like to shop today? And you like click in it. And like the only thing that computer can do is run the mall uh, okay, application, well, but it's but still a computer. Fine. So if you're going to use a computer and the only thing it does is, is the, you, you use Microsoft Word. Is that correct? I've used many versions of Microsoft Word. What do you call that program? Microsoft Word. What do you call that class of programs? Uh, word editing software. I would, so, call, I would call. I would call. I mean, I don't have a great. Yeah. I mean, maybe I call it a word processor. I'm not because we I didn't wouldn't. have the the the, the word software that. was not in. You didn't have software. Yeah. Nobody knew what software was. Can we all just can we all just say how dumb software is too? And you didn't know what a computer was, so you had to call it something, it and it was called a word processor. I think, um, yeah, I, I I would call it I would think a word editor, you know. That might have been better. Yeah, that, and that, maybe they would have sold more. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get it because there was a there was a, there was a computer processor in it. Yeah. But. All right, so uh, let's wrap it up. I think we should wrap it up. I do want to remind people, Guthrie, that since we've been talking about conceptual models, uh-huh. we have a whole course Yes. on conceptual model design, uh, and it's part of our curriculum for the, uh, 
for the U what we call the UX bundle. So if you're interested in learning more, you might want to check out our conceptual model design course. And um, if they wanted to check out any of our courses, Guthrie, where would they go? Uh, that would be courses at... Nope. Courses dot. Yeah. Theteamw.com. Com. Courses.theteamw.com. We have all these online video courses. Conceptual model course is one of them. Hey, you know what else I want to mention? What? That's new from last week to this week. We have put all of our, uh, we have two what we call fundamentals well, hold courses. Hold on. Right. I, I got I to gotta stop you right here. Why? Why? Because there were, I'm pretty sure that there were word processors that did not have screens. There were word processors that had really little screens that showed you three lines. What is the, like, no. Oh, oh, oh my God, it's a tiny little screen. Yeah, do you see it? Yeah, oh, yes, I'm looking at the Xerox 6016 memory writer. Yes, I remember the memory writer because I have a good memory. That's amazing that you remember the memory writer. I used these things. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, no, it's like it doesn't have a screen, but it has like a tiny has a little like tiny calculator little screen built um, into LCD right there. Like, like, you know, you, yeah, it'd be easy to miss. Yeah, LED I remember screen. this. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, so it does have a screen. Yeah, okay, my apologies. Mm -hmm. you're, you're forgiven. Okay, so Guthrie, between last week and this week, we did something. Yes, we updated we some older things. No, that's old. not what we did. No? Okay, no. well then you, you just say what you have. <laughs> we did do that. That was like last week. <laughs> we took our Brain and Behavioral Science Fundamentals course and oh, our yeah. User oh, Experience this. Fundamentals course, and we yeah. put both of those courses up on YouTube. Yeah, yes. So we have a, yeah. the Team W channel. If also, uh, let me let me just try to see if this works. So if on YouTube you search uh, user experience fundamentals, God, I hope we show up. Do we? Mm. Mm, that doesn't sound good. Not really. Uh, yeah, I see. I see about the UX. It's, I, it's coming up third about the UX experience fundamentals free online video, which is not exactly the what, same. The same. Anyway, so where they should they go? They should just go to the Team W channel. Yeah, so if you go, um, if you just, yeah, we have, uh, we, we'll, we'll put some links up to it. I mean, you can always get it at courses at theteamw.com. This is, so UX, oh, oh, I know, I know. Uh, that's why, that's why. Did you, um, business question while we're, while we're on the air. <laughs> while we're online. On the yeah. YouTube tags, did you also include user experience fundamentals? Probably not. Yeah. All right, I'll go fix the yeah. tags, everyone. Uh, yeah, because if you if you Google UX fundamentals, then it shows right up. Yeah. All yes. right, I'll go fix the tags. So you know what? We should change our titles from UX fundamentals to user experience parentheses UX fundamentals. So sorry that you guys have to listen in. <laughs> no, this is we good. Put together oh, we're, we're, our, we could workshop our to do it. list here. Uh, we'll take calls if anyone wants to workshop some <laughs> SEO. <laughs> Well, no, that will get lots of calls on. No, you I get enough SEO spam it. as it is. All right. So, uh, yeah, well, we need SEO, obviously. So we will go fix that. <laughs> but uh, look for the Team W channel on YouTube, and you can go check out those free courses. And uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions or any ideas or want to tell us about your experience with uh, word processors, you can email us at info at the team w dot dot com. com. Thanks, Guthrie. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Bye. Bye.